Welcome to the Seat Go Create podcast. This is Tim Winders, your host. I'm a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. My wife and I consider ourselves nomads. We currently travel, live, and work in our 39-foot RV. I want to make sure that you listen to the end of the podcast. We'll include some ways that you can continue the conversation. We start today and got a few bonus items that we want to include for you, but we want you to continue the conversation. So at the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how you can directly communicate with us. Today, we have Chris Miles as our guest. Chris is an entrepreneur, YouTuber, investor, blogger, family man. And here's his story. This is kind of a cool intro. He needed to replace his wife's income so she could stay home with her new son, Benji, and he later replaced her income and his, and we're going to learn all about that, how he did it, tips and tricks, and the different avenues. So, Chris, welcome to the Seat Go Create podcast. How you doing, Tim? It's so glad to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here, too. Uh, first question I like to ask people before I start diving in to tell us about Benji and other cool stuff like that is give us your elevator pitch. I like to ask people, what do you really do? You know, you and I are on an elevator. We've got about three or four floors. I mean, I, I hope we can get back on elevators soon right now. I don't know that anybody's know, riding right? elevators, but let's assume we're on an elevator and I look over at you and I say, hey, what do you do? Tell us what you do. That's an interesting question because for a long time, I really didn't know how to answer that question. But now I definitely have a great response for you. And I am an online entrepreneur. So I start businesses online as, as many different ways as I possibly can. Like you mentioned, YouTube, uh, blogging, uh, now podcasting, uh, online courses, all of those things uh, I've been able to kind of procure over time. Um, I wasn't able to do them all at once, obviously, but just over time, just one thing, knocking down one boulder at a time. And now that's basically where I am. So encompass it all, online entrepreneur. Nice. That's good, man. It is great to have a nice, succinct, oh, I think I know what you do. I'm kind of more this generalist that I can, unfortunately, sometimes ramble on and on trying to describe it. So I love that. But I can tell you one thing that I notice when, I, when I'm looking at your stuff is that you've got the title Benji's Dad on a lot of stuff. We were joking before we flipped it on. A lot of people will call you Benji, I think, because that name's there. But I'm not going to call you Benji. I know you're Chris, but you're Benji's dad. So tell us about Benji before we get started and really get, get into a lot of these uh, items you can teach us about, because I think we need to know who he yeah, is. Yeah, because he's really the basis of the entire business, really. Not just the YouTube channel, but just the whole entire business. Um, he's my son. He's uh, He just turned... He's about three and a half, not just turned three, but you know, they go fast. <laughs> but he's a, a, about three and a half. And when we found out that we were pregnant with him is when I had to start buckling down. You kind of mentioned it in the bio. I had to figure out a way to earn a second income because my wife wanted to quit her job. I've always been some kind of a serial entrepreneur, I guess you can call it. Uh, but there's been a lot of times where a lot of those businesses that I started either didn't make enough money or wasn't worth the effort anymore. Um, so I needed to find something. And eventually I kind of stumbled on this thing called an online business. And I started it with uh, specifically with blogging. Um, I still do that even today. And uh, ever since then, it's really been kind of crazy. I replaced not just her income, which was the goal, but I replaced my income as well. And then I had to make one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make. And that was just to quit my job. You know, I've been the kind of person who has had a job since he was 16 something years old. I've never been without a job. And all of a sudden, I'm like, an unemployed CEO of my own company, <laughs> but it's definitely been a fun ride. So Benji is my son, and that's where the uh, the namesake of the entire business really is. Benji's dad. That's who I am, and I've tried to create a little brand around it. That's cool. That's very cool, and um, and it's going to be exciting for him. I think in a couple of years, he's probably about to start really recognizing the namesake of your business brand, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I, I would hope so, <laughs> because, uh, you know, sometimes he'll do something a little crazy right now. And I look at him, I'm thinking, you know, I, I base an entire business off of you. You know that, right? But, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, putting it together at three years old. But um, like you said, sooner or later, he's going to realize that that's like the name of the business. And it's the one that's keeping a roof over our heads. It's the one that's keeping food on the table. So hopefully he'll cooperate at that point. I'm not a CPA or a a tax professional, but I'm always looking for creative ways to lower my tax liability. I'm sitting oh, yeah. here thinking, first thing I'm thinking is like, hmm, 
Chris might be a genius. He may have been able to come up with a way to deduct a lot of Benji's expenses. <laughs> That's that may not be the right way to think about it, is it? Hey, you you know you're not too far off. Um, that is actually one thing I've had to definitely go through the last couple of years is uh, the the tax ramifications of actually earning a decent income from your business. And um, I remember I used to do everything myself, but when things are just coming from so many places, so many areas, and then I also have a rental property and I also have investments and all of these things, I had to hire someone out to do it for me. And it was probably one of the better decisions I ever made too, because it's just, I can't do it all myself, even though I like to think I can. And it was such a load off when I was able to kind of outsource part of the business. And uh, I really definitely enjoyed that. So yeah, the tax ramifications of making sure that, you know, he stays, you know, Benji, you know, I should be able to write that off. I'll, I'll have to talk to my CPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might want to check on that. That might be cool. Or at least a few things, you know, you do some photos, you do a couple things like that. He's on your social. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, I did want to add, first of all, I want to let everyone know, I want to kind of give people a tease. Uh, yesterday or last night when I went to your YouTube channel, I noticed that at, as of that time, you had 57,400 subscribers. And I just want to let everybody know that we're going to be discussing that in a little while. And we're going to kind of ask okay. you how you did that, what went on. So we're not dealing with a lightweight here, somebody who's just getting started with this stuff. But before we go down that road, I need to circle back because I really like to know people's thought processes as they get into their business, because I think it's important. So you mentioned you had a job. What were you doing at the time you decided, I mean, I know you, you know, you wanted to make more money for your family and things like that, but what was the job that you had at that time? I was in IT. So uh, I did uh, com computers, uh, desktop support, uh, networking, uh, and even some management. Um, I ran an entire department for uh, a local company, um, just their IT department. And uh, even though I may have not known how to do everything, I knew how to get stuff done. So I would make sure that I get the right people in places to, uh, uh, to to get whatever project was on the docket taken care of. So I was able to pick up a little bit of a project management experience with that as well, which actually has served pretty well with running a business. Um, and that's basically what I did. And I had been doing that for probably over 10 years. And uh, it was kind of weird to make really a career change which is what i did i went from it to marketing and uh, it's so far marketing has definitely been a lot more lucrative I'll, I'll tell you that but um that's what i was doing before i got into uh, marketing so but you still do some it i mean listen you're online there's a certain degree and i love what you said you're able to get stuff done isn't that really kind of what entrepreneurs have to do just figure out a way yeah. to get stuff done yeah, one of the hardest things that uh, I used to always say was, you know, when you're working a, a regular nine to five job, you know, you always have your supervisor who tells you what time you need to be there, what time things need to be taken care of, what projects need to be worked on. But when you are solo, a solopreneur, which is what I, I like to be is, you know, uh, I have to come up with my own deadlines. I have to come up with my own you know, making sure things get done when they need to get done. And that actually was one of the hardest parts of the transition from working a job to to where I am now. It took me a long time to realize maybe I should just sit down and write out a schedule. And doing that really started to make sure stuff got taken care of because I had a I had a time that I wanted it to be completed. And when you don't set a date, when you don't set a time, things are just aimless, you know. Um, I think I re remember reading somewhere they say something that doesn't have a schedule is just a dream or something unless you actually put it down and write down when you're going to do it then it actually becomes part of your plan so that's kind of what I try to enact within my business yeah that's good and you're you're exactly right you know a lot of people have difficulty with that transition going from working being a part of something bigger to all of a sudden now everything depends on you but you said for a while you you kind of, it was a side gig, right? Side hustle. So you were still working full time and doing it. Tell me a little bit about that time, because I know a lot of our listeners probably are either in that mode or wanting to do something on the side. And we're going to get into the blogging, YouTube, affiliate marketing, all the things you've done. Yeah. But um, what was it like as you started that? And what were some of the good stuff? What were some of the challenges while you were doing both? Yeah, it was uh, definitely... 
a transition and a lot of um, stick to itiveness, I guess you can call it. Uh, because, you know, outside of running a business, I also uh, am a father and a husband, and I work the 40 hour a week job that I spent way more than 40 hours at. <laughs> and uh, you have to find time, you have to be a little creative. So, what I did, even sometimes I would do simple stuff like uh, maybe stay up an hour later or wake up an hour earlier, you know, something like that, just to kind of have something to do when I had downtime at work uh, during lunch, you know, just find a little creative times where I can maybe listen to a podcast, maybe uh, do some more research, watch a YouTube video, of someone teaching something. And, you know, after a while, you know, I kind of just picked up a lot of it almost through osmosis, it feels like because I was listening to so much information on it. But um, the one thing that I did that was really a sacrifice uh, is I love to binge watch TV shows. Um, I find a new TV show and I just watch the entire thing from start to finish. But about three and a half, four years ago, I realized that, you know, just how much of a time waster that is. If you, um, not saying that watching, you know, binge you on your TV show is a bad thing, but, you know, if you watch the, new, the newest Netflix, whatever, you know, it's probably 12, 13 episodes, all of which are about an hour, hour and a half long that's a lot of hours that you could be devoting on something else. And that's kind of where I, uh, we went ahead and we unplugged, I think is what they call it, where we, we canceled our cable. We weren't really watching it too much anyway. So we canceled the cable. I just, uh, I bumped up my internet speed <laughs> since I was saving a little bit of money. And uh, that was really helpful with getting the extra time to be able to sit down and, uh, uh, and get stuff done. Like, like we were mentioning earlier, planning things out, uh, most importantly, learning, you know, and not just learning, but also, uh, putting things in action, which is really a big thing. I, I like to do ready, aim, shoot, or re ready, shoot, aim sometimes, where uh, I may not be 100% sure where it's going, but I'm just going to throw it out there because now I'm somewhat devoted to it. I have to make sure that I see it through. So uh, that's kind of what I had to deal with first getting started off. Yeah, that's excellent. And I love, and you know, there's some people that this may step on some toes, but I'm in total agreement on the TV thing, you know, this is going to date me. I'm going to sound like a really, really old dude here, but our, our first child was born in 1990. So I've got a 29 year old. And mm -hmm. I remember that time because shortly after that was the first Gulf war and I was working corporate and I had just started a side gig myself. Uh, we were working in like a network marketing business and which ended up freeing me up to leave my full-time corporate position. And uh, Chris, it's interesting. I remember, you're probably, you're probably too young to remember this, but I remember watching that war, CNN and other things had just kind of gotten really popular. We had yeah. cable yeah. and I wasn't binge watching necessarily Netflix. That wasn't existing then. At the time. But yeah. I remember that guy standing in uh, Baghdad with the bombs going off around him and we were watching that literally live. It was like the first live war we had. And I remember sitting there afraid I was going to miss something at, you know, 11 p.m., midnight, 1 a.m., 2, 3. I would go to sleep for a couple hours, get up dog tired and go to work and still thinking. And I finally just got so fed up with it. I took the cable box back when there used to be the cable box and took it out to the road and told him, come get it. And we literally haven't had cable or those things since the early nineties. So going on 30 years. Wow. And so I'm, I'm with you. It's amazing to me how much time people devote to someone else's <laughs> entertainment and value. And they want, they want you to get sucked in. So anyway, that's yeah. a great, great tip there. Um, what was some of the education and all that you did? Because I know you had an IT background, so some people might, I'm, what I like to do is eliminate excuses for people. Some people mm -hmm. might say, okay, well, he was a tech guy, so it was just easy for him to start doing websites and blogging and then doing YouTube, but, but I don't think that's the case. What are your thoughts? No, that is not the case. I, I changed careers, like, completely. Um, I mean, I knew when it came to computers, I knew how to fix them, but learning a whole, learning marketing, learning how to build a WordPress site, learning how to manage a WordPress site, manage a YouTube channel, things of that nature, those things didn't come naturally. Uh, and the reason for that is because so many people try it and a lot of people fail at it, you know? So there is a bit of a science. There is a bit of a, 
the lingo you have to learn. And it was, like I said, it was a whole nother language I had to learn. So um, it's not necessarily that I had success from the jump. You know, if I, you know, if, if IT, if spending a decade in IT is really what gave me everything I needed to be successful, then it wouldn't have taken me as long as it did for me to get where I was. I would have, I would have been right there with it at the very beginning. But um, I won't lie that, you know, I, I'm kind of a, a inquisitive person. I like to just know things. So because I like to ask questions, because I like to know things backwards and forwards as much as I possibly can, just so that I can almost explain it to somebody else, you know, which is why I have the courses and I have the YouTube channel and things of that nature. I like to have a full understanding of things. So the time that I've put in, in terms of just listening and watching and everything, even if I'm driving to work, I had a podcast or YouTube video going on. Um, I basically stopped listening to music too. You know, I, I, it wasn't because I didn't want to listen to music, but I was more interested in learning my craft. And um, after a while, I, you realize you don't realize just how much you start taking in until you meet somebody who has no idea what it is. I, I use that when I was trying to learn Spanish, you know, around my friends, you know, if I say uno, dos, tres, they thought I was oh, wow, you know Spanish. But then I say that in front of my Spanish friends and they're like, uh, you know. So it's kind of the same difference. You know, I was learning enough to be able to teach somebody else, but that wasn't just because I just picked it up at once. You know, I looked at so many different people's perspectives. I looked at people who had failed. I looked at people who had succeeded. I looked at multiple people who had succeeded and saw what they did and kind of just molded what I did and what I liked. And after a while, things started to finally click. Sure. So tell me, tell me how it started. Did, did you start in the blogging space? Is that, was that your, I, I had had a thought, was that your gateway drug? Was that, was that like how you kind of got started with online entrepreneurship or, or what's, what started? What was the first thing that you did? Well, when we needed to make the money, I, I just, at that point, I just was, I need to make money. I, I didn't know how to do it, what to do or anything. Uh, I was under the the only way to make a, make money is to work a nine to five job or to get a second job, which is what I really didn't want to do. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I can, you know, it, make an extra income without it taking more time, which is tough to do. But I was, I sat down in front of Google and I typed in how to make money online. You know, it's one of the, you know, probably most searched phrases on the internet, but I, that's what I started doing. And the first thing that popped up is a whole bunch of surveys and, little micro jobs and uh, reviewing websites. And you do, you spend so much time doing those things and then you'll get like $4 put in your PayPal account. And I was like, really all of this time and that's all I got from it. So did you try you know, them? So, did you try some of that stuff? Oh yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. I was, I, I tried a whole bunch of them. Um, a lot of my YouTube channel talks, reviews a lot of those places and just saying how, yeah, you can make money with it. Yeah. you can make $4 when you work six, you know, when you work six hours. So, uh, I realized that those ways weren't very efficient. So I was, I, I kept looking, it's kind of where I'm getting it. I kept looking for more ways to, to earn an income online. And I stumbled across blogging. Uh, at first I didn't really understand it or didn't really know how it went. Um, I really just kind of watched a whole bunch of YouTube videos on it and, and thought I was an expert. So then I just threw it out there and uh, I ended up practicing some things that Google no longer allows. And I ended up getting my very first website completely de-indexed from Google, meaning that you, if you went to Google and searched it, you were not going to find my website because I was doing some things that were going against their terms of service. But I didn't realize that because I was really just watching YouTube videos and the thing was, I was watching three-year-old YouTube videos sometimes and not realizing that what they're talking about then necessarily wasn't effective today. So after basically I started and failed with my first couple of blogs, you know, um, I bit the bullet and finally decided to buy and purchase a training. So I purchased a training that literally was step-by-step -step showing me exactly how to uh, build a website, get traffic to that website, and then uh, join companies to, to become affiliates of theirs to promote their products and then get a commission on the back end. Um, when I followed that training to the T, I kind of threw myself on the mercy of it because I was, I had my back against the wall because I had already tried a few things online and they had all failed. And I can, it's very easy to see why people may get started with this and then fail and immediately say, oh, it's a scam. No one can make money online. And it's still weird today to a lot of my friends and family, you know, they'll, they'll 
look around and say, well, what does Chris do for a living? And then I tell them and they're like, oh, you have an online business? Oh, that's interesting. And <laughs> they kind of just laugh it off or whatever. But then all of a sudden, one of my advertisements will pop up when they're watching YouTube and it's like, hey, I know him. You know, so it's a it's a long process. It wasn't easy. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, I didn't necessarily learn everything. It's just that I, I failed so many times that I happened to know the, the wrong way to do everything. So by nature, I know the right way to do a lot of stuff. But, and but it really, it, ended up working it, out. it really hasn't been that long though. I mean, what, you're talking about like four or five years. How, how long are you talking about here? Since about 2015. So yeah, about five years. Okay. But you have to remember my, like I was mentioning earlier, um, Benji only took nine months to, to kind of bake in there and come out. And I had to figure it out really, really fast. So that was your so, motivation. Uh, you, you had to get it. Is that when you signed up for the training? Is that when you finally bit the bullet and invested in some training? No, it was actually a little after he was born. Not much after he was born, but a little after he was born. Um, so I had spent probably a year or two just kind of, um, I kind of maybe in 2015 kind of stumbled on the idea before I really even needed the money. <clears throat> excuse me, before I even really needed the money. But then when we found out we were pregnant, then I was like, okay, now I got to figure this out. So had I really started what I'm doing now, you know, two years prior, I'd be so much further along than where I am even right now. Um, I'd probably be close to doing this a little longer than I had been in, in IT, you know, because I would have been at seven years about to get to 10, you know, and that would have been nice to be able to quit my job a couple of years earlier, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but we're all a product of timing and all. I do have a question here. I just yeah. wrote down a dollar sign where I wrote down when, when you got that training. And I wanted to ask you, do you remember how much that course was when you finally, sounds like you finally paid money when you had been getting what we call free info. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So the cost of that initial training, it was free to get in. And then after like a week, you know, then after a week, it was uh, $19 for the first month and then $49 for every month after that. And then uh, I just stuck around with it for a little bit. And then after about four or five months, I started make, earning enough money where I could pay for the yearly because it was like a membership site so I was able to pay for the yearly and once I paid for the yearly which was around maybe $400 at the time so I guess from the time that I started to the time that I finally invested in the year I probably had spent around five or six hundred bucks just on the training itself and that's kind of where everything started to finally work out it's really when I started to kind of invest in myself because I no longer was and if you get a free training and then you'll get around to it you know, kind of a thing. But when I actually had some skin in the game, I actually had paid a few bucks to even money I didn't have, how, honestly, at how the time. Tough was it, how tough was it for you to spend the $19? All right. So and let me, let me tell you the reason why I'm asking this, Chris. To me, that seems extremely inexpensive with the number of years that I've paid for training books, masterminds. But I do know that there are listeners going, $19, there's free stuff out there. Why would you spend that or $500 a year? How challenging was it for you to spend $19? It's definitely like a mental paradigm type shift in the way in, in your thinking, because I know exactly what you mean. I did not, I could not afford $19 at the time. I couldn't afford the $49 and eventually 600. I couldn't afford that at the time. And I didn't understand the, the idea of investing in yourself no, and the whole thing about ROI and the return on your investment. Once I understood that concept, like just last week, I actually bought a training for a thousand dollars and didn't even think too much of it because I knew of what I was going to get out of it. I'm going to make way more than a thousand dollars from the training than the thousand dollars for it, you know, and that was a hard thing to do. And I, I kind of am along the same lines as, as maybe some of your listeners is to you know, why would you pay for something we can get it for free? Well, time is also a big deal. And all of the time that I spend surfing through YouTube videos and surfing through uh, uh, blogs and podcasts, hoping that I get the right information too is another problem. Because like I was mentioning earlier, that's one thing that I ran into with my first blog. I was doing things wrong and I ended up getting my site, you know, taken down. So I realized that I needed to invest in myself. So now I will gladly spend you know, twenty dollars is like you said, it's 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 nothing in comparison to what you're probably going to get on the other end. 
Yeah, that's 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 excellent. And there's something that happens when you step over that threshold. It's I don't want to say it's totally it's like going from hobby to a professional level. But in many ways, mentally, yeah. that's kind of what you're doing. It's kind of like, you know, you haven't lost a lot other than time, even though time is valuable when you're just kind of poking around and going through going down the rabbit hole of YouTube and other things. But when all of a sudden you pay for some training and you step over into a membership type situation or you go to, you know, conferences, seminars or, you know, now online and virtual, it is it's a big deal. So you mentioned ROI. So I'm going to go I'm going to dig down just a little bit on it. Um, You now do all that you do. You're an online entrepreneur with full time income and revenue, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So can you even calculate the ROI for that original 1949 or the first year 500? <laughs> Is that even calculable? Calculatable? Calcul- calculatable? Calculatable. Anyway, whatever. We're making up words here, but. Uh... <laughs> Yo, is it calculable? Oh, I'm, I'm trying to say it. Um, <laughs> it's hard to even imagine because you think that first $19, man, if I hadn't have spent that $19, where would I be right now? It's really the question. Um, like I mentioned, we uh, paid off. I didn't just have the um, the income that I had to replace. I also had, I made some bonehead decisions early and uh, I had over $30,000 worth of credit card debt as well. And it was bad credit card debt. I mean, 17, 18, 19% interest rate type <laughs> credit card debt. And I was playing the game of just moving money from one balance transfer card to the next to trying to keep things as low as I possibly can and just minimum payments, just staving off the, ine- the inevitable. And I was like, one day I'm going to get a windfall of money and just take this all out. And uh, eventually when the business started to take off, then that was one of the first things that I did is just packing money onto that debt and eventually got it all paid off. And now I, I remember having a negative net worth and I have a positive net worth. And I'm actually just excited about that because it was a lot of hard work to get there, you know, so uh, making that shift of what I paid off and now what I'm able to enjoy, you know, that $19 is well, well worth it. Yeah, that's good. That's good to know. Well, I, I want to, this is, I don't know if this is kind of getting a little bit serious on things here, but I want to, I want to go into you talking about your YouTube channel and things like that. But there's this little thought that just popped into my mind, Chris. And so I just want to kind of poke at this a little bit, you know, we're in a really, really weird world right now where at the time we're recording this, this will probably release, you know, heading into the fall of 2020, but we're right now deep into summer of 2020. And, you know, the world is still kind of on lockdown, which seems to me just a beautiful thing for online business. But I also want to kind of bring up, you know, there's also a lot of racial discussion going on. There's a lot of a lot of things talking about where there's a lot of barriers to people being successful that are systemic and they're built in and, and all of that exists. We know it does, but, and, and you could go as deep or as light as you want to, but I would love for you to maybe speak to the opportunity of the field that you are in and, and are you seeing barriers are there no barriers? Are there some? I mean, I'm a white guy. You're a black guy. We go online. Does that matter? Does it not matter? And I'm okay with whatever you say here. I mean, I'm literally opening up for your thoughts and ideas on this in a difficult subject that we're all facing right now. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually a very excellent question. Um, that's one thing that <clears throat> I kind of struggled with early on myself was uh, just having kind of a preconceived notion that maybe nobody would want the, you know, the people who I would want to spend money on, maybe not spend it because I'm a black guy. I, th- I thought about that. Even one of my first blogs, uh, one thing that you can do with a blog is that you can have an alias. You don't have to necessarily use your real name. So I actually use an alias just with, with that in mind, thinking that, okay, when people land on this site, they won't see a black guy. They'll see, you know, another guy and they'll be more apt to read and, 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 and buy something, and then I'll get a commission for it. And that was the wrong thing to think at the time. I did not know that 
at the time, obviously, I was just going by based on what I was raised. I was raised in Louisiana, the Deep South. So there's certain things I had to deal with, you know, that may be different from someone who was raised in Connecticut. You know, it just it just depends. But really, uh, I remember expressing that to some people. And I had a couple of them tell me, look, once you start helping people get what they want, it, they don't care if you're purple or green or orange. And then because we have such a public forum as as YouTube, where people will immediately look into your eyes, see exactly who you are. Uh, at that point, if they do have some type of issue with you, they'll turn the video off and keep moving on. There's 4 billion people on the planet. I mean, who uh, there's 8 billion people on the planet. 4 billion of them have access to the internet. So you only need a small, small percentage of those people to actually make a purchase. Uh, for you, I believe the Kevin Kelly rule, a thousand true fans. You only need so many in order to make a six figure or more income. So when I stopped worrying about that, worrying about my skin color, worrying about whatever it is that I was worried about at the time, things started to kind of pick up because I think other people kind of sensed that I wasn't worried about it anymore. And now I started getting classified for what I knew and how I could help them. And like I said, it didn't matter if I was purple or green or orange at that point. Some people may have an issue with it. If they do, that's that's their agendas. So be it. But those that don't, I've I've had, you know, some of my closest friends are of different races than I am. And that's that's a okay, <laughs> you know. So hopefully that answers kind of the question. No, that that, that is with, excellent. But, I think it was beautiful what you said. And I do want to say in going to your YouTube channel, the first thing that I notice, and maybe I'm not the ideal person to notice, is your smile. And to me, that's kind of a universal type, uh, lowering barriers. And, uh, and, and listen, man, there's a lot of people out there that they've got issues in the world and they're probably not going to go hang out. They probably aren't going to hang out with either one of our <laughs> channels, but they're going to go hang out with whatever they're doing. And so that, that is powerful what you said. And I appreciate you sharing. And thanks for letting me ask that, that question. Um, yeah. That's one of the first times anyone has asked a question like that. And I've been on a few podcasts, especially over the last few months. So I appreciate you digging a little deeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I actually like the fact that you are are pretty much saying, listen, there's issues that we're dealing with, but they're issues as long as you allow them to be issues. There's a a big world out there. And so all that you're teaching, which we're about to get into here, it's like wide open. I mean, this is available for anyone that wants to, I'll go back to what you said earlier, turn off the TV. To me, that seems to be the more important decision as to maybe the way you look or, or your smile or not smile or color or anything like that. Am I pick, am I, am I oversimplifying? I don't want to oversimplify because I'm, I'm kind of in that category that they say I've got a lot of the privilege, but to me, it's still about the effort and turning the TV off. Yeah. You have to make the first move. Uh, one of the sayings I remember when I first started with this, one of the sayings that I used to hear was, you only fail if you give up. And I'm like, well, of course, if you give up, you fail. But I didn't understand it. But now I completely understand what that means. Because half of the battle, especially in this business, online podcasting, like like, like with your course, not your course, but your podcast or YouTube or whatever it happens to be, if you show up more times than anybody else, then you're going to eventually become a consistent figure in whatever niche that you decide to jump in. You just have to show up. You just have to be there. And once you kind of, you know, think about commercials, you know, if you see a commercial 10 times, all of a sudden you might want some pizza, you know, because they're going to just, it gets to you over and over and over again. And in in this line of business, all you want to do is just stay, stay top of mind. So the first time someone finally wants to make that shift to start an online business, wants to start with blogging, YouTube, whatever it happens to be, if you're the first person they think of, chances are they've already elevated you. They already, you know, think that you're the person who can help them. And most likely they're going to buy something from you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, speaking of showing up, I I totally agree that you just need to show up. But somebody's got to show up a lot to end up having 57,000 plus subscribers on YouTube. How did that happen and I'm going to follow up and maybe ask you as much detail as you want to about the profitability of that. But give us a little bit of the timeline of getting to that. Did you did the blogging lead to the YouTube? Did the YouTube develop over time? Just a little bit of how that developed. 
And, and literally, I'm trying to pick your brain because I've got, a, I've got an ulterior motive I'll share in just a little while. Yeah, no, well, Tim, definitely. Um, I first started with blogging. And one of the SEO or search engine optimization factors in order to rank in Google consistently is called like time on page or dwell time. So the longer someone's on your page, the longer that gives a, a positive indication to Google that this site's a good one, which means they might start sending you more traffic, which is always a good thing. So one of the best ways to get your dwell time or your time on page up is to have people watch a video. So what I started doing in my blogs was I would embed a video into each one of my blogs so that when people read it, or if people who didn't feel like reading, maybe they just watched a video. Now, the thing was, when I first started doing that, I was finding other people's videos. But the problem there, which it still works, but the problem there is that those videos have people with their own agendas, with, with their own ideas of what they want people who watch their video, their calls to action to go do something else. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I don't want to put all of this work into a blog, all of this work into writing out the blog and promoting the blog and doing everything with it just to put a video that's going to tell them to go do something else. So I decided to create my own videos. So my very first videos were very, very simple. A lot of them were just me just basically reading the blog post, you know, or just talking about what was in the blog post. So I just started creating videos, putting them on YouTube, embedding them to get that that ever so sweet backlink onto YouTube. And eventually the videos started getting traction faster than the blogs would. If you post a new blog, you might start getting SEO traffic from it. You know, it depends, but a lot of times, maybe three to four months later, maybe six to eight months later, depending on how, uh, uh, how much tr competition is out there on Google. But on YouTube, YouTube is very in the now and know, and, and knowing what YouTube wants to do is keep people on their, as long as they can. So if new content pops up that's going to keep people on YouTube longer, they're going to place that video right in, right in front of that person, hope they click on it, and then watch the video. So you end up getting traction faster on YouTube. And I kind of made the shift. Instead of making the blog and the accompanying YouTube video, I, I flipped it. I started making the YouTube video with the accompanying blog. And then YouTube kind of started taking off at that point. And I was just driving traffic basically to anywhere I wanted to. So that's kind of how that began the whole YouTube journey. So you, so you were leading with the blog and the, and the video was a compliment. And at some point, you remember how long ago it was at some point there was a shift where you led with the YouTube video and the blog complimented that. How, how long ago was that? Do you know? Uh, how long ago was that from, from the time now? Well, yeah, from, uh, I guess, how long? Or from the time that I started the blog. Yeah, what point did you start leading with YouTube versus, like you said, you started where the video okay. was just complimenting the blog? Yeah, it was probably about a year and a half later. Okay. Uh, a year and a half later is probably around the time that instead of just focusing just on the blogging, um, I went ahead and started to focus on the YouTube channel and then creating the blog to complement it. Um, had, I, had I had the opportunity to do this over again, I would have done it all at once, you know, starting the blog and YouTube channel all at the same time, because video right now is just so taking off right now. Uh, you mentioned it earlier because of where we are right now in, in the stream of time with, with, with everything that's going on in the world right now, you know, more people are at home and more people are watching videos and they're consuming content that creators like us are creating. So it's a very interesting time right now, even though so many people have, are having terrible, terrible hardships right now. Some online businesses are booming because of it. Yeah, because people are sitting around watching these videos and there's ads and there's some profitability there. Is uh, is YouTube a revenue stream for you? Well, 100%. Yeah. Okay. And in, in multiple ways as well. Okay. And well, that leads to the question that I wanted to ask. And, and listen, you share whatever you're comfortable sharing because I'm asking to get up underneath the hood of your business. But mm -hmm. uh, what are possible revenue streams for a business like yours and you know you don't have to necessarily give dollar amounts unless you want to or percentages but i'm just curious at the stage you're at where do revenue streams come from you know we know you just mentioned youtube and there's multiple ways of youtube you've talked about blogging and later i'm going to talk because you you claim that people can do a thousand a month from blogging and i'm going to ask you about that but tell us the various revenue streams that one can make when they do what you do? Well, definitely there's 
a ton of them. There's a ton of them. But because there's so many, it's kind of hard to, to, to focus on one. So uh, when I normally when I teach people, I tell them focus on one and dominate it and then move on to the next. And the first one that I always recommend people jump on definitely is affiliate marketing. So affiliate marketing basically is uh, just you partnering with other companies to promote their product. You're basically becoming a free salesperson for them. Uh, they, they don't have to pay you benefits. They don't have to pay you vacation all that kind of stuff. You're just partnering to work with them. Um, so that was probably one of the main ways in which I uh, monetized my blog and YouTube channels early on. Uh, that was, and it's pretty easy as well because you don't have to be customers. You don't have to do customer service. If someone buys something and they don't like it based on your recommendation, they don't come back to me to return it. I don't have to deal with the irate customer. You know, they have to call the company back who, who they had the issue with. So it's kind of hands off. And sometimes you can find some places that pay some really, really good commissions. And I was able to do that. Some high ticket sales I was able to make for a long time um, where I can sometimes get anywhere between $18 and $6,000 in a single sale. So it was, it was really kind of crazy for a little while. Um, other ways that you can monetize is with sponsorships. Um, sponsorships sometimes take a while because you need to have an audience to prove to a sponsor that it's worth advertising on your medium. Um, the good, just to go back to affiliate marketing, you know, if 10 people watch your video, if one of them takes action, then you're going to make some money on it, right? Uh, with sponsorships, if only 10 people are watching your video, you probably won't be able to get any decent sponsors at that time, um, unless it's just really, really niche. But um, that's one way that I was able to uh, make money as well. Then you have ad income. Ad income is another one from YouTube and from the blog. So anytime you watch a YouTube video, you're probably getting bombarded with an ad or two. Um, ads before the video, ads after the video, during the video, on top of the video, <laughs> YouTube puts them everywhere. Uh, so that's one, that's another good revenue stream. Again, it takes time to usually build those up, uh, depending on how fast you can get an audience together. Um, but it can become pretty consistent. Uh, ads actually is a very small percentage of my income, but it's a, it's a nice little paycheck that you don't have to do too much to get built up. Um, Another way is uh, things that I've been doing more recently is uh, monetizing with course creation. So I've created courses to help people do certain things. Um, one thing I've helped people with is how to build a YouTube channel and how to get it to a certain point. Um, another one that I'm currently working on right now is how to build a blog and make that become your full-time income. Um, another way that you can earn some money is with uh, public speaking and appearances. Um, when people kind of see you on the YouTube channel, you know, they're looking in your eyes. They can they can kind of see what kind of person you are. Uh, sometimes people will end up knowing you a lot better than you know them, obviously, because they're the ones watching you. You know, so um, I've been asked to be on some summits, you know, where you know, helping other people start. Uh, but none of that would have happened if I didn't have the YouTube channel really to, to really scale it up. And uh, that's been really nice. But those are probably some of the main ways that I've been able to uh, monetize my blog and YouTube channels. And, you know, we're, st we're still trucking along right now. They're all different income streams that I've been able to enjoy. Are, are there any of them that you personally enjoy more than others? Because all of those to me are tools or, or mediums you know, that you can use to build a business. Are there any of them that you really enjoy more than the others? Um, affiliate marketing has been really kind of my pride and joy for a long time. Uh, but to be honest, recently, courses is kind of taking that over, uh, creating my own courses. The cool thing is with, with affiliate marketing, you can get paid a percentage of what it is that you, whatever it is that you sell, uh, depending on what it is, if it's a physical product or a digital product, there's something you might have to just download versus something that has to be created and shipped to you. Um, because with digital courses, you get 100% of the income from it. Where with affiliate marketing, you're only going to get a percentage of what it is because you have to pay the manufacturer of it as well. So um, I've really kind of uh, been taken back by how well courses do, especially in recent months. Yeah, so I've, <laughs> I've, I've always enjoyed that. I've always, I've always been intrigued, and this goes back years and years because we've been done similar things, some of them not online but offline, Chris. And I've always been intrigued by the fact that if – if you can be successful at something, then people will pay you to teach them how to be successful at that something. 
Do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. It's the whole um, what is it? Uh, Catch me if you can. It's kind of what I like to use the example of that. I'm sure you probably heard about it, but Frank Abagnale, he he did so many different things for a long time, trying to just you know stave off being caught by the FBI or the CIA, whoever it was. And one of the things he did was he taught a soci- like an advanced sociology class in college for like an entire semester. And nobody realized that he wasn't even a professor. I'm like, well, when they finally caught him and they asked him, how did you do that? He said, well, I had the book. So I just stayed, you know, about one or two chapters ahead of everybody else. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> he created, he basically taught an entire sociology class just by reading ahead. <laughs> you know, wow. and the same principle applies online. Sometimes people believe that, oh, I don't have anything to share or I don't have, you know, I like to do this, but I can't teach anybody how to do that. And to be honest, if you look at a big scale from like one to 10, where 10 an expert and one's a complete novice, you know, you might be a five. You might consider yourself a five. But you know what? The people who are eight, nines, and tens, they may not want to take the time to teach the one, twos, and the threes. So you have an opportunity there as a five or as a four or whatever it is to teach the people behind you because the way niches work, the way interests and topics work, there's going to be always have people who are jumping into them. And you can help those people who are complete beginners. Yeah, that's excellent. So, all right, I want to, I know you, you teach people how to do this. And before we wrap up, I'm going to allow you to tell people where to go to get some of these courses and to get your information. I know you have a lot of free stuff out there too, but I actually want to get, since I've got you on the line here, I want to get some, uh, some teaching and training from you. Uh, and I also know that my producer engineer, uh, has just started a YouTube channel. It's actually my son, JK, and and we will be doing a YouTube channel for the Seat Go Create podcast, probably starting on our one-year anniversary, which is right around October 1st. And so I would love for you, and I know a lot of other people are looking at that. A lot of podcasters and other people are consider going into that, but can you give us two or three just kind of always or nevers or do this or don't do this or tips or, or here's a good way to get started uh, and, uh, and, and just maybe um, share a little bit with us on some of the success you've had? Yeah, so when it comes to YouTube, uh, the, the main deal is creating content that keeps people on YouTube. That's, that's the key. Uh, if you create content and you're always sending them off of YouTube for some reason, you stand a chance of maybe even having YouTube uh, suppress the content because it defeats the purpose of what it is YouTube wants to do. If uh, YouTube wants to make money by showing advertisements, and if you're anytime they show an advertisement, they're probably going to get a little bit of a kickback. But if your videos send people off and your what's called your session time, how long you're keeping people on YouTube is low, then your video might not get pushed as hard. Um, can't really confirm this. YouTube will probably never confirm it. But one thing that I've noticed is, is the second I turned on advertising, you know, just ads on my YouTube channel, I saw a bit of a bump in my traffic. And I'm just, you know, some people, YouTube will probably never confirm that. They're just, oh, no, we just want the, the greatest content out there, which is true. But they want the greatest content that's also going to pay them, you know, at some point. So uh, I would definitely, you know, go with ads as, as soon as you can after you've met the thresholds, which is 4,000 hours and 1,000 subscribers, which seems daunting, but it's not as hard to get to uh, once you finally get there. But that's definitely one thing. Um, another thing that I would definitely recommend is uh, work on your SEO or your search engine optimization for your videos, making sure that uh, you kind of title your videos in a way that what as what people are looking for on the platform. So if people are looking to uh, find, you know, even if it's something as simple, how to make a cup of coffee, you know, you might have a coffee person on your podcast and you talk about it, but in the title of your video make sure you put how to make a cup of coffee three best steps or something like that just to kind of make an intriguing element for people to click on and then definitely have an amazing amazing thumbnail you need to have something that's going to stop people from looking i mean just think about your own experience on youtube when you're scrolling through on your phone what it is that i want to watch right now you're probably glazing over a hundred thumbnails before you finally find that one but it's probably something that kind of uh, broke the pattern is what we call it. You know, it breaks the pattern of uh, oh, regular thumbnail, regular thumbnail, regular thumbnail. Oh, that's interesting. What is that? You know, so it stops you in your tracks 
it makes you then read the title, which makes you then click it. And then on the other end, you need to make sure that you deliver on your content as well. So by delivering what it is that you promise in your thumbnail, in your title, keep people watching, keep them on YouTube as long as you can. I'm not saying never send them off, but maybe keep them on there for a video or two and send them to other videos at the end and then have maybe one hub video where you send everybody to that then gets people onto your email list. That way you keep people on YouTube longer, you make YouTube happy, and then they're going to start pushing your stuff more and more and more. That's good because one of the things I was thinking, because we have some pretty detailed notes and things for all of our podcasts was I'm going to put a bunch of detailed notes in and try to link them back to our website but that's awesome what you just told me, which makes total sense. All of these platforms sell space. They want people to hang out there as long as they can. And they don't really care about the other platforms. I mean, unless you're Facebook no. and Instagram that own both of them. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but YouTube. So, man, that was excellent. I appreciate that, Chris. And I was taking notes here. And I know that'll be helpful for people. Kind of um, one of the last, I guess, big topics I want to talk about before we begin wrapping up. I read something uh, on your, might be on your website or socials that talked about monetizing your passion. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I, I, I have a ministry background. I've spent a lot of time around people that would be followers of Christ. And, and I'm also in a podcast group, just Christian podcasters and things. And there are a lot of people, let's just say that they have a passion that they may not think it's monetizable, but I don't know that I agree with that. And so I, I guess I want you to talk about, um, I guess I want you to talk briefly. I'm just going to kind of open it up with that premise. Yeah. Talk about monetizing your passion and what all that looks like. And are you sure you can monetize just about any passion? Pretty much. I would say 99.9% .9 of your passions you should be able to monetize. I can't say that I've met up one that you couldn't, to be honest, not that I'm thinking about it. Uh, you have to be a little creative. Almost every space has some type of product, whether it's, you know, things that you need to buy to actually do it or things that help you in the mindset. Um, or even if it helps you, I remember I had, I had one student who uh, wanted to help people with getting uh, uh, adoptions. They wanted to help them, the types of things that they needed to do to adopt. And the question was, well, how do I monetize that? And that's actually a question. You know, how can you help people adopt a child? And then one of the things is you kind of need a lawyer when you need to help with, a, with, with the um, adoption. You might need some legal documents drafted up. Um, and then not all sponsorships have to necessarily be uh, 100%, you know, you're getting a ton of money from it. So you can actually get sponsored by, you know, different programs or systems that will help you, you know, uh, position your life in a way to where you can be more favorable toward getting an adoption. And then when they finally started to kind of click that, oh, yeah, look at the things that maybe I need, and then reach out to those companies. You know, the whole thing when it comes to this is having a pure audience, having an audience that uh, you can go to someone and say, hey, I have a thousand people who download my show, you know, every month and they're interested in this. Do you do you want to talk to them? You know, it's a lot better than creating a billboard. You know, I, I was just on the, in the car a few days ago and I saw a dentist billboard and I'm thinking to myself on this highway, think of the millions of people who pass by this. And there's only about that many of them who are even going to look up and see this. And the ones that do, you got to hope that they need some dental work done. You know, uh, in this day and age, in terms of, of social media, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Google, Pinterest, whatever it happens to be, they know more about their people than anything. Um, I forgot exactly who said it, but they said if, if something is free, you are the product, you know. So uh, that's kind of way you have to look at it. So because they are so uh, they know so much information about all of us. They can place advertisements in front of us knowing that we're probably going to click on them, you know, and uh, it's kind of hard to, to fathom. And sometimes people will click on one thing and then all of a sudden a day later, they're looking somewhere else and they see an advertisement and it freaks them out. I'm like, no, that's just retargeting. Yeah, it's retargeting, <laughs> it's it pixels, it's all that stuff. And yeah, exactly. I worked in the billboard industry years ago. Let me just tell you that billboard's not inexpensive, is it? That's a pricey yeah. advertisement. I, I One of the things I use to describe all of the online we'll call it tracking is mm -hmm. that it's cool 
and creepy at the same time. At the same time. You know, I totally agree. They know There's what they're doing. Where, yeah, I have a um, Amazon Alexa and I have a Google Home, a Google, I forgot what you call it, the Google Home, whatever you call it. And it's like sometimes we'll be talking about something and then I go search and it'll autocomplete what we were just talking about. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Well, okay. what's, what's really weird is that tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and all of a sudden the seat Go Create podcast is going to start going and you're going to go, oh no, what happened? <laughs> I'm like, I want to know what, what, what advertising are you using to do that? I need to get into that. I just want my show to just start I mean, playing randomly. There was a time that we were talking one time when we had our Alexa and we, we, we kind of got to the point where we wouldn't, it was the name we shall not mention. And, exactly. and all of a sudden we were seeing pop-up ads from things that we were talking about and they say that they're not going when you're not on, but Anyway, it's hard to believe, right? It's yeah, it believe, is. But, and, but that's it's, the it's world totally we're in, and we just need to kind of plan for that. All right. Kind of my last big question for you before we do last some small wrap-ups, Chris. What is next for someone who wants to get started? They have a message. They have a passion. They want to share. They're really excited about something, and they just want to get started and get it out there. You know, it could be a faith-type uh, message, or it could be a, you know, like you mentioned the adoption, or it could be a, I just want to make me some money with, um, I don't know, antique cars or something like that. What, what is the next step for people to do? And I am a okay. If you direct people to some of your training and some of the teaching you have online too. Well, I would definitely choose a social network or a medium to begin creating content on. Um, we are all consumers of content, sometimes too much. We were talking about turning off the TV. You know, when you turn, when you're watching TV, you're just consuming. You're sitting there and you can turn your brain off and you just watch. But you need to make a shift instead of constantly consuming content, you need to start creating content. And you need to find a medium that works for you and start uh, creating content there. So for some people that would be podcasting, for some people that would be YouTube. For me, it's always been blogging and YouTube. Those have been really great sources for me. I'm just recently adding a blog, I'm sorry, a, a podcast to that as well. Um, and I mean, if you ever need to learn how to do that, you know, for example, when it comes to blogging, you know, I have a course called Blog Builder Pro and I'm really excited about it. Um, by the time this goes live, it, sh it should be up and running and everything. So be sure to go check it out, blogbuilderpro.net. I take you from a complete beginner, even if you have no idea, you, you just heard about blog today. I take you from a complete beginner to having a website up and running that is making you money. And that's the way that uh, I, I wanted to keep it nice and succinct and be able to work closely with people. Yeah, that's good. And I'm, I'm sure we'll include links and all for that. I think I went and looked at that. And I think it's uh, at the time of recording, I think it's you can get on a waiting list, I think. Is that what's yeah. going on? And I think, you yeah, just capturing leads right now, because I'm still um, shooting a lot of the videos and editing them nice. right now. Um, yeah, you gotta, I, I wanted to have a good look to it. I want people to look at it and be blown away by the production value. And I'm just putting a lot of extra time in it. I'd rather have it nice and perfect. And then, which kind of goes against what I normally believe, but because this is a paid course and people are spending money for it, I want to make sure that it's right and it's good. Yeah. And you, you know, speaking of paid though, but I think one of your claims there is that someone can make a thousand a month in blogging. Did I read that correctly? Oh yeah, definitely. It uh, in in my personal experience, um, I believe around I made my first commission of about twenty three dollars after about eight weeks of blogging, which is kind of which is kind of quick. And then after about three to four months, I was making a few hundred bucks a month. By the time I got to uh, eight or nine months, I was making um, probably anywhere from seven to eight hundred bucks a month. Around ten months, to eleven months, I've made my first thousand. And then uh, after about a year to a year and a half, I remember I, at one point I had peaked around seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars, and I was like, "That's crazy how quickly it went." But a lot of that wouldn't have happened if I didn't, you know, if I had gotten to month four. Oh, I only made a hundred bucks so far, or two hundred bucks so far, and quit. You know, then I wouldn't have been able to see, you know, uh, and seventeen or eighteen thousand dollars a month later. You know, so it's been really, really fun to do, but you have to, you have to stick to it. I, I, I call it, uh, I think they call it the Google sandbox. So you have to just, you have to fight with it until, okay, Google says, sees that you're legit, 
you're legitimate you're you're here to stay let's go ahead and give you some love you know and that's what you kind of have to have to fight through early on yeah that's good that's real good so don't look at short-term results be thinking long-term and and probably my guess is because you've been through those landmines or whatever you want to call it you could probably help people even do it quicker i'm guessing because you know what to do and what not to do correct well, yeah, when I first started, that's how long it took me. And that was from being a complete beginner, that $19 training I was telling you about, that complete beginner then. But now that I've been doing it for years and I know how to do it, I can probably get a, a website up and running into $1,000 probably in less than six months. Wow. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. With that, I think that's a great, great cap to kind of leave people hanging with. So I want to, I've got a few quick questions. First yep. thing I want to ask, you just gave a, a website, but is there any other ways that people can connect with you or follow you or get around you? I haven't even mentioned what your YouTube channel is. So if you want to share any ways verbally, we'll include them down in the notes, but uh, how can people connect with you? Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that by the way, Tim. So uh, for the most part, since we are on a podcast right now, it will probably be apropos to send everybody to another podcast. So the blogger evolution podcast is my podcast. Um, at the time of this recording, it's just launching. Uh, by the time this actually airs, uh, we'll have a few episodes there. So definitely come join in on the fun, the blogger evolution podcast. Um, my main place that people can find me obviously would be Benji's dad. Uh, the YouTube channel and Benji'sDad.com. Um, there's a lot of ton. There's a ton of free information there on how you can get started with an online business, uh, with affiliate marketing, um, with starting a blog or even a YouTube channel. Really, whatever angle that you want to go with. And a lot of it is just my experiences. This isn't me just reading somewhere and then regurgitating the information. This is stuff that I've done, stuff that I failed at, and now I can kind of save you the hassle of having to listen to literally probably thousands of hours of stuff and you can probably do it within you know a few a couple of hours to see exactly how i did it so definitely um benjisdad.com the youtube channel also benji's dad just search benji's dad on youtube and blogger evolution podcast as well as blogbuilderpro.net that's probably way too many calls to action but i know you said you put them in the show notes so we'll take that yeah we'll put them down in the notes here so we may have gotten a glimpse of this but what's next for you chris what's next or what are you excited about that's coming up in the very near future for you um, well, we're getting ready to launch Blog Builder Pro, and that's going to be really fun. Um, this is going to be the second course I've ever created. The first one did decently well, but I'm expecting to do a lot better on this one because I know what I'm doing a lot more now. Uh, experience is so great, you know, <laughs> learning experiences. So really excited. We're ramping things up. Um, we got a lot of anticipation going on, and it's going to be huge from what I, from what I can see. And I can't wait to really just start helping more people. I've been helping people build blogs for a long time now, but this is going to be my thing. You know, this is going to be my baby, you know, outside of Benji, you know, he's still the real baby, but (laughs) working on that. And this is going to be really fun. So definitely check it out. Blogbuilderpro.net. Wow. That's very exciting. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, The title of this podcast is Seek, Go, Create, Chris. Which one of those words jumps out at you as a favorite or one you really like? It resonates with you and why? Hmm. Seek or create. I would probably say the go part where you need to take action. You know, you can consume as much content as you possibly can. I've seen people purchase trainings, expensive trainings, and never do anything with it. Um, We talked about it just briefly earlier, but the ready, shoot, aim you know, sometimes it's better to just get something out there and refine it over time versus trying to get it perfect. Because sometimes people will get stuck in the ready and the aim and then they never shoot, you know. So ready, shoot, aim, seek, go, create, go, go and go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with this has been it's been a real blessing for me. I've enjoyed it thoroughly and got a lot of great info, took a whole page of notes. And so I know whoever's listening in probably got incredible value. Also, if you would like to continue the conversation with us with the Seek Go Create podcast, we encourage and we welcome that. Go to SeekGoCreate.com. That's SeekGoCreate.com to comment on the episode post or you could contact us there. If you visit the site, 
give us your best email address and you will never miss an episode. We'll keep you updated. And we've got a few bonuses that we're going to throw your way. We've got some workbooks and some other things that we make available from time to time on episodes. So go there and give us your email address and just stay connected with us. You can also find us and communicate on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those we are Seek Go Create. You should be able to just search and find us there. Thank you again for joining us and listening in. We look forward to connecting with you on the Seek Go Create podcast in the very near future.